I hope you've been enjoying the opportunity in this series to just sit and to listen to the diverse voices of Jeff and, and Mandy and Jeff Martins describing for us in a fresh way again the way we feel God is calling us to live in the Jesus way. That um, Jeff, three weeks ago, told us that what God is inviting us into is a, is a way of living that is actually beyond ourselves. That it's living not for us, but for others. And Mandy talked two weeks ago about how that's rooted in a power beyond ourselves, in the, in a, the power that we receive from our encounters with God as we sit and read scriptures and engage in spiritual practices and so on. And that Jeff Martins reminded us last week that that's grounded in a people beyond ourselves, that it happens as we live in Jesus-shaped community. And what I want us to think about this morning is how when all of those things come together, the beyond ourselves of the Jesus way, rooted in the power beyond ourselves, lived in a Jesus-shaped people beyond ourselves, that what God does is accomplish in us a purpose beyond ourselves. That's the result of these encounters with God. As we've talked about this morning, experienced even. There are a lot of ways that we encounter God in the everyday. We encounter God in creation where we see God's beauty written large. We encounter God in simple things like bread and juice as we celebrate communion together and experience the presence of Jesus. But what I want us to think about this morning is the profound way that we encounter the presence of God in each other's humanity. I think that's one of the most fundamental, one of the most basic ways that we experience God. It's an idea so important that God actually put it in the very first chapter of the Bible. In Genesis chapter 1 verse 27, a verse that we have read with frequency around here because it is so central to what we believe about how God moves among us. It says this, that God created humanity in God's own image. In the divine image, God created them. Male and female, God created them. This basic idea that in our very humanity, we image God. We put on display what God is like. We give people an opportunity to encounter the power and presence of God. Now, the idea of the image of God is not unique to the Bible in the ancient world. In fact, other cultures around Israel would write about this idea of the image of God. But in every other culture besides biblical culture, the image of God was reserved for some people and not for others. In fact, most of the time, it was reserved just for the king. In other words, if you wanted to see what God is like, find the richest, most powerful man in our ethnic community, and that is the person who most accurately displays what God is like. It is through that person that we have encounters with God. And the Bible very radically says that's nonsense. That it is in our shared humanity that we image God, that we encounter God in the humanity of anyone and everyone. Now, obviously, in our brokenness, and in our sin, and in our sin that's caused by our brokenness, 
in all the ways that we do not choose love, we put something on display that is different than what God is like. But even in our brokenness, even in our sinfulness, the Bible is clear that we still encounter God in each other's humanity. But I think the verse actually says something deeper than that. Not just that individual human beings are in the image of God or show us what God is like. Because the verse actually says, in the divine image, God created them as a community, as a collective. Uh, Theologian Karl Barth says that the idea of relationship is central to the idea of what God is like, to the image of God. That if God is a trinity, three persons um, and yet one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, or creator, redeemer, sustainer, if God is three persons united together in relationships of love, then the best way to put on display what God is like is in the relationships of love that we share. But I think it's even deeper than that because it says male and female, God created them. God specifically points out the diversity of genders that are included in the image of God. That at some level, it's not just relationship. It is relationship that crosses boundaries of diversity that best put on display what God is like. And not just gender diversity. I think relationships of love that put on display what God is like through racial diversity, um, through religious diversity, through socioeconomic diversity, through educational diversity, political diversity, theological diversity, that it's when we live in relationships of love across boundaries of diversity that we most put on display what God is like. That's when it becomes most visible what God is like. That's when people are able to best encounter God in us and we are best able to encounter God in each other. That is fundamental to who we are as a church. And it's fundamental to my story. Most of the rest of the time this morning, I'm not going to be preaching more Bible. I just want to actually tell my story about how God has become real to me in increasing ways because of the relationships that I have across boundaries of diversity. How I've encountered God in the humanity of others. And it's been my story for 24 years. In in my earliest years of pastoring this church, I used to say that the thing that I loved about our church the most was about how we were becoming more than just another enclave of Mennonites, which is what we were in the beginning. Um, I used to joke and say, we're now a church that has more Smiths and Johnsons than Schmitz and Jansons. And I think there's beauty in that. That we were finding community with Catholics who come from a different religious Christian tradition. We were finding community with reformed, Protestant, reformed Christians who come from a different theological tradition. We were finding community with charismatic Christians who come from a different spiritual experience than we were used to. We were finding community with agnostics and atheists all across the spiritual spectrum. We were learning to live in community and to discover God together with each other out of our differences. Then as time went on, it was forming relationship with LGBTQ plus siblings in Christ. 
who love God just as deeply as I do, who want to follow Christ in the Jesus way by the power of the Holy Spirit as much as I do, who believe in the scriptures every bit as deeply as I do, um, and who were able to help me see for the first time how unlike Jesus our church had become in the way in particular that we had treated LGBTQ plus people. More recently, it's in the relationships that I've been forming with indigenous friends um, who have helped me to see that racism and systemic racism and racialization is an issue in my life and in our country in ways that I had closed my eyes to, who had helped me see how I had closed my ears to voices of, of black and indigenous and people of color who could help me work towards a productive reconciliation in ways that I couldn't on my own. But I would say most significantly in the last 11 years of my life, it is through the friendship of a guy named Tom. This is Tom. In 2010, Tom moved into our homeless shelter in St. Catharines and he was addicted to crack and he's filled with rage and he knows that I'm gonna say all this stuff about him this morning. And he was, the, he was broken because of all of the trauma and abuse, horrendous, horrific trauma and abuse that he had experienced over the course of his whole life. Most recently at that time through the death of his infant son and then the loss of his kids uh, to family and children's services as his life plunged into addiction. And when I first met him, he was filled with rage towards God and the church and us and he would say to me, he yelled at me in our first conversation and say, none of you understand what it's like to lose a son. I feel like I should drag you to my son's grave and force you to stare in the face of how much pain I endure. And I remember saying in that conversation, I'll, I'll gladly go with you, but on the way, can we stop at my son's grave? And I can introduce you to Tristan because Kristen and I had lost our son in a stillbirth the year earlier. And it was that exact moment that Tom and I realized that no matter how different we were in so many ways, um, at our very core, we were just two broken dads who were looking for how to heal from the loss of our boys. It started a relationship with Tom that's lasted for 11 years. You know, he would in time as he got to trust me, invite me to listen to his stage five confessions um, as he would go through the 12-step program. And still later, he would call me when he had relapsed and we would talk our way through how to start again. In time, he would grow comfortable enough to share his griefs and his fears and his stresses and the things that were threatening his stability. And then a few years ago, he asked me to be his financial trustee, which I am still to this day. And I'm going to tell you, over the course of the last 11 years, Tom has become um, one of my best friends in the world. Here's a newer picture of us at the Jays game this summer. Um, Outside of Krista, my wife, I talk to Tom more than I talk to any other human being on the planet. We message literally dozens of times every single day. And there are few people that I would consider closer friends than Tom. And my friendship with Tom has changed everything, not just for Tom, but for me. 
I asked Tom a little while ago, I said, how have you experienced Christ through our friendship? And it didn't take him very long to answer. He said, um, first, he said, I, I learned that God is safe. I never thought of God as safe, but I, I learned that God is safe because you were safe. And I could talk to you about my PTSD and I could tell you about my nightmares and I could talk to you about my codependency and my trust issues and I could share with you in detail the graphic horrors of the abuse that I've endured and I knew that I would never experience anything, any shame or any judgment. He said, I learned from our friendship that Christ's love is unconditional because your love was unconditional. Because every time I call you and say, I messed up this weekend and I went out and I used, you would respond the same way and you'd say, brother, I love you. Um, there's no guilt, there's no shame, none of that. There's no condemnation for anyone who's in Christ. So let's just ask the question, how do we start today and move forward starting as day one again? And he said, you never rejected me no matter how bad it got. He said, I learned from our friendship how to trust Christ. Because I'm going to tell you, friends, the last year has not been easy for our friends who struggle with addiction. To, to put people who grapple with addiction in self-isolation is torture in and of itself. Tom was unemployed and his life was unstructured for much of the year. There were days where he feared for his daughter's life. There were days where he feared for his granddaughter's safety, where he was convinced he was going to lose his granddaughter to facts. There were days where his car got taken and totaled and Tom's life, the chaos and the trauma did not stop just because COVID hit. And we processed it all together and we would have the same conversation every time. Okay, how are we going to trust Christ and what are we going to do now? And Christ would prove himself to be faithful over and over and over again to bring Tom not just peace and stability but bring Tom through the other end of the crisis. And not only is Tom not used in this last year, it's been a really long time since Tom is used. He hates when I talk about how long it's been, so I won't talk about it. It's been a long time. But it's not just Tom who's encountered Christ in our friendship. I've learned things from Tom. I'm a preacher. I believe that the scriptures have the power to point us to Christ and change our lives. But I swear I have changed more because of Tom than anything else in the last 11 years. Tom has taught me more about forgiveness than any other human being on the planet. He, the stuff he has had to forgive, to forgive his abusers, and then actually come to live in loving, reconciled relationship with some of them, which I know is not right in every situation. It was right for Tom. It's not always right. But to watch somebody forgive the things he's had to forgive has taught me more about Christ's forgiveness than anything else in my life. Tom has taught me more about relationship than I think I've learned anywhere else. As a guy who gets out of bed in the morning for two reasons, to love God and to love the people God has brought into his life, period. Tom, I, I get distracted. I think all sorts of other stuff is important and it isn't. Tom gets out of bed because he wants to do what Jesus wants him to do, which most often means he wants to love and serve the people that God brings across his path, including those who are treating him like an enemy. It's unbelievable. Tom is a better friend and a better dad than I think I could ever hope to be. 
Thomas taught me more about honesty and courage and vulnerability than anybody else I've ever met. He ruthlessly stares down his inner demons. He ruthlessly faces his brokenness and his sinfulness and he relentlessly works towards wholeness and holiness in ways that I've seen in few other people in my life. And he does it all out loud with me. He invites me into the journey of his brokenness and his sinfulness. He lets me hear him at his worst. He makes himself completely vulnerable. Unlike the ways that I cover up and play games and hide and all of that stuff, not Tom. He's shameless in his vulnerability. And I see Christ in that. And at the end of the day, friends, I could go on and I could tell the story from Tom's perspective, my perspective, but what I would rather do is invite you into the story yourself. Because as a church, it is foundational. It is fundamental to what it means to live in the Jesus way, to be a part of these kinds of stories of living in unlikely friendships, friendships of love that cross boundaries of difference and diversity in ways that allow Jesus to be put on display. That is a non-negotiable in what it means to follow Christ around here. And in every single one of our locations, we have opportunities for you to step into that for yourself. Whether it's entering into relationships between privileged people and those who have been forgotten and ignored, right? Those who experience homelessness in St. Catharines or local migrant farm workers in Vineland or local low-income families in Welland. Um, We have opportunities for, for both of those kinds of people, privileged folks and those who've been forgotten and ignored to step into these relationships of love with each other and to give you a sense for what that could look like right where you are check out this video and now I was I was looking very interested I good communicator <laughs> what was it again yeah line Hello, my name is Lucas. Hi, my name is Dave. My name is Sydney. My name is Tammy. My name is Tony Hendricks. I work at my family greenhouse. I'm now retired, whatever that means. I go to Brock University and I'm studying therapeutic recreation. I work at Dr. Tom Adams' dental office as his dental assistant. My wife and I run a small grocery store in Niagara-on-the-Lake. I hate it when people stop in roundabouts. Just the worst. I, I can't stand grocery shopping. I hate it when the bills lose on Sunday. Doing household plumbing repairs. I had to do it this morning. <laughs> I got connected to Southridge by my family. Because I heard from too many people how much fun it was to be a part of that community. Our son uh, was in the shelter for a while and he died in 2015. And the way the community responded to our son while he was alive and us and our grief was amazing. And I've been here ever since. I volunteer at the shelter at rock climbing and euchre tournaments. By serving at the front desk. As an advisor to the Southridge Jam Company. Um, Helping to lead daily devotions where people just try to discover the difference Christ can make in their lives. And I also do some counseling. I started volunteering at the Southridge Shelter because number one, there will always be a need to help others. Number two, along with guidance from staff, Southridge provides a number of different areas to volunteer, which allows me to find where I serve best. 
because I wanted to use my skills to try to make a difference. Well, because of um, the needs that I saw in my son and how the shelter uh, helped meet them before he died, and I know that there's a lot of other people who have needs and are broken and are asking for help. What I like most about volunteering is getting to know people. We have a great team of people who are all in it for the right reasons. The sense of community and friendship and purpose I feel and how it lifts me and others up. What surprises me about the shelter always is how easily people's lives can become broken. The people, in a good way. Although we all have our moments, there is a constant feeling of positivity, gratitude, helpfulness, kindness, and humor. Is that the residents are actually just like me. I recommend volunteering at the shelter because you'll make lifelong friendships. And it's a privilege to be a representative of Christ, helping and serving people. There is no time like the present to help to improve this world one heart at a time. You know you're helping when you contribute your time and energy. Hello friends, Eric and Chris from Southridge Shelter here. We're a unique community of 55 residents, past residents and volunteers all come together pursuing the same thing, bettering each other's lives in practical ways. We're a place where everyone's uniqueness is needed and people have the opportunity to offer each other the hope and encouragement they need to experience God's vision for their lives. Along the way, we have a lot of fun and none of it's possible without the diverse gifts of people like you. So we enthusiastically invite you to be you with us. If you'd like to explore the multitude of ways to get involved, check out our website, reach out on social media, or email us at info at southridgechurch.ca. And it's not only relationships through our anchor causes in our locations. Across our locations, we're building relationships with local indigenous communities and responding to their invitation to enter into spaces of friendship with them, to be present to them and present with them, to listen to their voices, to join them at the Native Center in Virgil or the Friendship Center in Fort Erie or at Landback Lane in Caledonia, and to listen to their voices guiding us towards a genuine reconciliation. Across our locations, we are developing global communities of child poverty, where we are partnering with Compassion Canada and with churches on every continent in the world to help lift children out of poverty in Jesus' name. And we are inviting you this morning to think about one of those ways that you could take a risk and step into an unlikely friendship that crosses boundaries of diversity and difference in which Christ's love can be put on display, in which you can encounter Christ in a transformative way. It often begins as it did with me, with just an hour or two of volunteering, but I challenge you to start there and then lean into the journey of friendship. And I know that in all of our locations, lots of you are already doing this. There are dozens of people who could have sat here and shared their story this morning, and we're so thankful, and we celebrate that so much with you. And we ask you now, share your story with your life group, share your story with your friendship circle. Invite others into the journey that you have been discovering of experiencing the powerful presence of Christ in the friendships of love across boundaries of diversity in ways that will allow us to experience a purpose beyond ourselves. God's purpose 
in us and God's purpose through us of putting Christ on display so that we can encounter Christ and we can encounter Christ in each other and others can encounter Christ through us and the world can see Christ in us in a way that brings God's kingdom of love to earth in increasing ways, just as it is in heaven. Would you consider responding to God's invitation to a purpose beyond yourself today? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, um, I want to thank you that you make yourself tangible. You make yourself real. You show us who you are. You show us who you are in the person of Jesus. You show us who you are in creation. You show us who you are in our experience with each other at communion. You show us who you are in the ways that you meet us in spiritual practices. You show us who you are in the way that you surround us with community. And God, you show us who you are in the faces of each other. God, would you give us the courage to enter into relationships that cross boundaries of diversity, whether we are people of privilege or people the the world generally has forgotten and ignored, would you give us the privilege, the courage to step into those relationships with each other and encounter you face-to-face in the faces of each other in a way that transforms not only our own lives, but each other's lives and ultimately puts you on display for the world to see. We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen.